Hello and welcome to seven of Catalyzing Radical Systemic Change. The topic for today, the headline for today is the politics of waking up and in preparing for the podcast. Up from me originally, which says the politics of politics is politics. And obviously, this should remind you of me riffing off the original quote from the business of business is business. And then the question arises, should it really be like that? So maybe just a couple of introductory words to frame that conversation. When I look from a citizen's perspective of how I perceive representative uh, parliamentary democracy. I can't speak for all democracies out there. I can only speak for a couple of democracies that I know quite a bit in Europe or the one in my home country, which is Germany. Then we sense that this is why the quote came up. The politics of politics is politics. Ultimately, politics became a system that feeds itself. So just a couple of points here. So when we just look at like most electoral cycles, I can only speak for Germany. So when we vote people into parliament for four years and then we say, okay, they might take a year or so to really get on with their work. And we take the last year off where they again go campaigning to get reelected, which leaves just two years. This for sure does not allow for a long-term engagement, let alone really taking into account like the many generations that will follow us and that inherit the situation of the planet yeah, that, that we are creating right now. The other thing that I always found crucial is that when we look at those people in parliament that are representing the electorate, it becomes, depending on which democracy, I think it's like a lot worse in the United States than certainly it is in Germany, but also in Germany, a lot of the politicians voted into power are not representing um, the demographics of the people they are representing. So I feel like the system we built is deepening the many uh, divides already existing. So maybe with that couple of introductory words, um, I would like to hand over because today we don't want to focus on the problems level too much, but more really looking on the grassroots level, what are the things emerging, also looking on the insides that make us human and the cultures we need to rethink and rebuild uh, to allow for a politics of waking up. Indra, it's my great <laughs> pleasure um, to share that precious time with you. I would start with the first question that just came up. Why that title of the book that we will, you know, speak about later today, but why the title, The Politics of Waking Up? What does politics and waking up have to do with each other? Yeah, great, great framing. And you really dropped us into the, the very question that was the cause 
of the project that I'm running, which is called The Alternative UK, uh, which then led to this book being written. So it's, you know, you, you dropped in at the right place. And um, what I'm trying to evoke is this idea that what people will recognize is that we've been in something like a revolution for about three decades, about 30 years, ever since the birth of the internet. Every person who has access to a mobile or to a computer, you know, suddenly shifted their idea of uh, not just their ability to make a mark in the world, but also their understanding of what's going on in the world, right? So that description that you had of politics just now, I think is happening everywhere. And it's really accelerating at the moment. This sense we're waking up to our perceived powerlessness in the system, you know, so that now we can understand how the political system works. And I, I refer to it as the party political system, you know, dominated by parties who are, you know, within a system that requires people to oppose each other and compete with each other. And the reality of that is, you know, as a, as, as, as a, as a community or as a nation of people, we are designed to be invested in the failure of about half the population. Because if you're on one side or the other, you've got to choose between one or the other. And that means you want the other to fail. I mean, I was thinking about this, this, this Christmas actually, that even in, in a, quite an extreme way, Half the people want us to be locked down now, and the other half want us to be absolutely free to do as we choose. And these are two really opposing views. Um, and it's kind of the opposite of what Christmas is, right? Christmas is really about us coming together, being kind, hearing each other, you know, hearing about each other's lives, you know, and, and honoring this idea of uh, compassion and so on. That is what Christmas is supposed to be about. But our party political system locks us into opposition of every other person in the nation, really. Or in, in Europe, there's more proportional. So there's, you know, there are more parties than just two. But there's still this basic oppositional left versus right, us versus them. That's the, that's the system we're locked into. And the waking upness of it is that the more we read about it, and we've really seen this accelerate during COVID, the more we get, you know, how dysfunctional the system is. And there's a lot of reaction now. Some people are waking up for the very first time to the idea that they're being manipulated at all. Okay, so those of us who've been looking at this maybe for decades, maybe for our whole lives, we've been conscious of the manipulation of elite systems or the manipulation of the media that serves those systems or you know there is a there is something that keeps us hooked onto what I call the growth economy the growth economy which has you know destroyed our planet we're somehow hooked onto that as if we're all addicts you know what made us do that it's contrary to our actual nature there's always been a degree of manipulation in the system uh, by the people who most profit from it. But we're now in an era of people waking up to this for the first time. And people are thinking because of COVID, 
and vaccination, for example, for the first time, they're becoming aware of their freedom or their loss of freedom or their need for freedom or the need to take care of each other, social responsibility. These are things that are becoming clear to people for the first time right now. And it's chaos. You know, it's a chaos of voices and opinions and, you know, theories and conspiracy theories and, you know, strict rules. And the politics of waking up is trying to suggest that there is a way to work with this huge, diverse, multi-perspectival polity now waking up. There is a way to work with that that would still create uh, good value for everyone, that can give outcomes that are not only good for individual human beings, but for the communities in which they live in and will have an impact upon the planet. But it requires radical redesign. And that's really what the book is about. And that's what our platform's about. So I would like for the listeners to understand better your person to run through some maybe two or three stations in your life that link to that actually just that what you're trying to birth onto the planet now so, so i would love to invite you to to look at one maybe two episodes before um, you started um, the alternative to come to the point why did you do the alternative and then mm. go off from there because I have the feeling the better our listeners understand the sequence of the epiphanies you know mm. they can better follow from what you're trying to build sure. on from now yeah Lovely. So, um, I'm just trying to think about how far back to go, but, but let's say that, you know, from an early age, um, you know, I, I was born in Holland and I moved to the UK. My father's from Indonesia. So I always had a, a difficulty, if you like, belonging anywhere. And I've always perceived life from this dual perspective that needs to be transcended. Right? So, you know, my father from a Muslim culture, Indonesia, my mother from a Catholic culture in Holland, um, I, was, I was raised with both of those things. And so the desire for transcendence was always there from a very early age to make sense of two very different things coming together through relationship and love so i would say that that's very fundamental to my approach and then at the age of 11 um my brother died in a car crash and i had a if you like a sort of a real reckoning with god you know where where is the power and where is my agency so I can remember, and this you obviously remember that, you know, as a very young adolescent, how emotional this experience is. 
but really praying to God that he would save my brother. And then my brother died that night. I was really forced to reckon with death and what is death and what is my power as a living human being to transcend you know, the idea of death as an end to something. So again, transcendence, you know, my, I found, you, you know, what I now understand to be a sort of dissociative way, you know, I, I, I escaped from my reality of, of death and found a way to reconnect with my brother that kept him alive for me in a way. But that was obviously the birth of a spiritual journey. And in fact, throughout my uh, teens, six of my mothers, seven brothers and sisters, died of cancer. And so this confrontation with death and the impact it was having on the people around me, not least my mother, who went into a lifelong depression, as you can imagine, she didn't really emerge from that. But me as a child and a teenager growing up was always trying to transcend these natural boundaries. So the big question for me as I, as I moved into my 20s was really what is human agency? So on the one hand, facing these brick walls, you know, which is, which is the idea of death. But on the other hand, transcending that through a spiritual practice, always feeling and continuing to feel connected with the people that you have and have had in your life beyond, beyond any simple binary uh, of life and death, feeling always that they're in your life. And so... You know, as I said, going into my 20s then, I was thinking about transcendence. I did a lot of work training under a very uh, well-known um, father of peace studies, a guy called Johann Galton. He was my mentor for many years. And I learned about transcendence and how to transcend conflict in communities between nations. And I became uh, a consultant in this area and put on courses and hosted uh, conferences around conflict transformation. And then um, I had become, uh, maybe I should have said a bit early on, I went back to Indonesia to sort of look at my roots. And when I was in Indonesia, I met Buddhism for the first time. And uh, it was a very, what I would call, um, on the territory kind of practice where the people in this movement uh, of the Nichiren sect in Indonesia uh, would, would, would take on the social division in Indonesia by going out into the small villages around the big capitals and working with people in those places and I was, I went with them a couple of times. Well, in fact, over a period of seven months, I went several times with them. And the pattern would be something like this. We'd go out into a village, which at the time was, um, you know, being receiving food parcels from the military every week, you know, a very dependent existence that was being kept content in, if you like, through... Uh, a, you know, a religious practice. Like there was a, a kind of a content existence there. And when we went to visit my 
the leader of this organization who was a kind of uncle, friend of the family, he would give a short talk, always in a language that I couldn't understand. I couldn't speak Indonesian. And when we, while we were there, I would always hear him saying, uh, speaking gently to people. And this word ada would always puncture everything he was saying. And afterwards I asked him, what, is, what does that mean, ada? And he explained, it simply means like, it's there. So for example, you think you have no resources, you do. You think there are no uh, connections, there are. You think there is no way forward for you, there is. And it was a kind of um, a, 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 what I call a psychosocial um, patterning of connecting the way you're thinking to the possibilities around you. Because when he could do this, land this simple possibility of this is what it looks like to you, but in reality, it's quite different. The resources are there, your capabilities are there, the people you need to work with are there. You know, the, the future is there. This kind of conviction, which comes from his deep practice, you know, it was the thing that could land in any space that we visited. People would just listen and hear and try to receive. And then we would go back there, you know, maybe six or 10 weeks later, they would invite us back. And even in that short time, some movement will have happened. Somebody will have planted some seeds. Somebody will have begun to build a road. After six months, you'd see Somebody had begun to build some new houses so that the young people could move out from their parents, but still stay in the village. Whatever their needs were and their desires for, they, they found a way to begin it, you know. And that, that was the absolute core to my way of moving now through the question of where is agency? Every time I find myself hitting a bit of a brick wall, because I'm looking really to create something new or be an innovator or try to make something happen that sounds impossible. This returns to me that the thing you're looking for is already there. How do you, how do you recognize, recognize what is already there? How can you work with, amplify, you know, intensify connections between what is already there? And that's very much the way that we begun the project of finding a new politics. So just to drop one more in there, maybe I've talked for too long, said too many things, but just to say, so the question of agency, the learning of trans transcendence and transformation, the perspective and the deeply held feeling of what you're looking for is already there. And then just the one more thing, which maybe we'll come to later and you can invite me to talk about it, which is the difference between hard power and soft power. But maybe we'll just put, there's maybe just one too many things for you to, to respond to. 